Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. Today, I am chatting with Megan Foley about integrating Ayurveda into your daily life. You are listening to Creating Wellness from Within, a podcast devoted to helping you live your best life through self-care and wellness. In each episode, we strive to offer you actionable advice and tools to help you on your journey towards greater personal wellness. I am your host, Amy Zellmer. I am Editor-in-Chief of Minnesota Yoga and Life Magazine and The Brain Health Magazine. Additionally, I've published four books on the topic of brain injury and concussion. I am passionate about yoga, wellness, photography, travel, and all things glittery. You can learn more about me at creatingwellnessfromwithin.com. Today, my guest is Megan Foley, and she is a yoga therapist, yoga teacher, yin teacher trainer, and an Ayurvedic health counselor in training based in Minneapolis. She incorporates functional movement, mindfulness, yoga philosophy, and the ancient healing practices of Ayurveda into her weekly yoga classes, private yoga therapy sessions, and workshops. When she's not teaching or or taking yoga, you can find her walking around the lake or with her head in a book. Welcome, Megan. So thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm thrilled to be talking about Ayurveda today and incorporating it into your daily life. And um, I, you know, I only know like the bare minimum of Ayurveda. So I always enjoy hearing about it and learning more about it. So maybe just starting with like a, just a really, you know, basic, what is Ayurveda? Sure. Absolutely. I know that term is getting dropped a lot more these days, and I'm so happy to hear that it's getting more integrated into our Western culture and society and yoga world. Sometimes you'll hear a very simplified definition of Ayurveda as the sister science to yoga. And in India, Ayurveda would ideally be taught first because it addresses the body and the individual. And then yoga is considered a spiritual practice. And in the West, we see a little bit more of yoga being a physical practice. But what Mm -hmm. Ayurveda does is it looks at the individual person's constitution. And the theory goes that we're all made up of five elements, just like nature is made up of five elements, but in different ratios. So one person might have a lot more fire going on. And this can present as being a go-getter, super ambitious, um, you know, eye on the prize. And then somebody else might have more air element, which can present as a creative, somebody who is really spiritual or really the life of the party. And you know, there's lots of air, lots of bounce to them. Um, somebody else might have more earth element, super grounded. That's like your mama bear, your favorite person to go and get a hug from. And so what Ayurveda looks at is the ratio of these different elements in each person and then how to give them the best um, different diet, lifestyle, yoga, pranayama, meditation, um, tailored experiences for them and for the seasons. So we look at how we need to adjust our life and the things that we do as the world around us is also changing each season. So one of the Just easiest things that you can do Ayurvedically is to eat seasonally, go to your local farmer's market, see what grows in your neighborhood, 
and get more and more connected with what's happening outside because we are a microcosm of the macrocosm. And as much as we might live in our heads a lot and think that, oh, you know, I can override some of my like body's needs. I'm just going to keep plowing forward and be on my devices all the time. Our bodies desperately want to be part of nature and we crave right. whether we know it or not, um, that connection. And I hear this all the time with, you know, private clients. Like I'll say, when do you feel the most at peace, the most grounded? And they almost always say in nature. And Ayurveda is really just trying to get us back to those roots getting out inside, outside all the time as much as you can, eating fresh, local, organic, seasonal food, um, really honoring where you are at your life, different phases of life, and changing things up as we age. So that's kind of my boilerplate, Ayurveda, what is it definition. Um, you can make it as complicated as you want. You know, there are Ayurvedic doctors that go to school just as long as medical doctors do. Um, and you can make it as simple as you want, you know, just changing things each season. Do you have different rituals that you adjust as the world around you is also adjusting? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the... Um being in your different life season, right? Like you're different. I, and I just look at, you know, my, my twenties to my thirties to my forties and how each age was such a uniquely different part of my life. Um, and then I'm sure once, you know, going into my fifties, it'll feel even more different. Um, and I would imagine too, going from perhaps being single to married to being perhaps a mother or father, um, those all have different bearings on, on what you're going through Ayurvedically. Absolutely. Yeah, they have three different main causes of illness, according to Ayurveda. And one of them is resisting the changes mm. of seasons or the changes of yeah. life. And we see this all the time, particularly with women going into menopause, fighting it and <laughs> wanting things to be the same as right? funny or wanting to look the same as when you were younger. And Ayurveda would say, like, resisting any kind of change is unnatural and can cause imbalance. And so we really want to have this really light grip on life and to be as flowy as water as possible um, through life's different transitions. And it can be really beautiful to have these endings and beginnings. And one of my favorite um, terms in the Ayurvedic sort of lingo is that the vata time of life, that menopause and on time of life is considered to be the forest dweller time of life. This is the time where vata supreme. So there's more air, there's more space. You're able to be more spiritual, be closer to whatever higher power you believe in or connection to nature. And you have less of that pitta, that fire energy that is that go, go, go. So ideally, this is a time of life where you can go to the forest and connect. And what are the other two um, causes of illness? Yeah, the other two um, is one of my favorite ones. Uh, disconnection from your internal wisdom. So they say mm. that little voice inside yeah. that has your best interest in mind. And we just kind of override it sometimes. Right. Um, and then the other one is incompatible food or lifestyle practices and the overarching 
cause of imbalance from an Ayurvedic perspective is disconnection from nature. And so they say that there's one illness that has thousands and thousands of iterations. And I think this is really interesting because from a Western perspective, you usually see extra specialists working on an extra special issue. You know, I'm your big toe doctor. I don't talk to you about something else, right? And we need specialists for certain acute situations. But a lot of times things are so connected one to the other that if you have shoulder pain, it's probably associated with something going on in your pelvis Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or you know, shoulder pain is connected to that. And Ayurveda just says, okay, we've got disconnection of some sort, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and it's going to show up in seemingly random ways. It's not random. Right. And it's not a different illness. It's all one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's such a huge problem in our healthcare system is you're right. There are all these different specialists, which is great for, you know, like you said, acute situations, but the problem is none of them talk to each other. Right. So if you're having problems with your shoulder um, and you're talking to another doctor about problems with your pelvis, but they're not talking to each other to like, just common sense should tell you that they're connected. Um, But those, they, you know, they, what's that saying when you when you have a hammer your only tool is a nail or something like that like (laughs) there's another saying too I always screw it up but it's like if you see stripes or something think of a zebra like we don't need Mm. to think the medical issue and um yeah oftentimes they do say in Ayurveda like oftentimes the biggest challenge the biggest issue has the most simple answer and that's not to diminish, you know, what people are going through, but right. sometimes you don't even see like how healing it can be to, for instance, sit down when you're eating <laughs> or sip warm water versus ice cold water or go to bed at a decent time. Like we're trying to search for these really complicated answers to our complicated problems. When in reality, we're animals at the end of the day that do really well with really nice sleep really fresh food, rest, yeah. time off, you know, oiling our bodies. You know, Ayurveda is huge on Abhyanga, full body oil, massage. It's the most nourishing thing to do for the nervous system. Mm. At first I thought it was a bit of a chore. I'm like, oh, just one more thing I have to do, right? <laughs> right. My, my body craves it, especially after I've been talking a lot or traveling. Um, that vata energy, that air space element, it's just kind of erratic. erratic. And so they say the best way to ground that is with warmth, oil, stillness, and silence. Mm. Yeah. I like my silence. I like to just be alone. I'm I'm a bit of an introvert. I'm an extroverted introvert. Um, and like I'm fine. I love being on stage and talking to people and doing interviews like this, but then it's like, hmm, I just want to be alone now for a while. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I hear that, especially in this noisy world that we're living in, really so important to. So Megan, in the, when we first started, you talked, you were talking about the five element um, types, and I think you mentioned air, fire. And earth. Yeah. And earth. And so what are the other two? Yeah. For anyone else counting like myself. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I can tell you're a Pitta person. That's that's (laughs) the energy. Keep me on my toes. I love it. 
Um, I'm more Vata all over the place. I'm like, there's five things. I mentioned three. <laughs> so the other two are water and air, or sometimes you'll hear ether. And water's pretty self-explanatory. You know, anything that has water in the body is water element. Also being really flowy, very creative, very sensual would be more of an abstract form of water. Ether in space is a little bit harder to conceptualize for people because we really can't see it and we can't feel it. It has no tangibility. It's the most subtle of the elements. The way I like to describe ether is if you have a day off, do you fill it? Even with fun things, do you fill it or do you leave the space? And the space is ether and space loves to be filled. And so it's an act of rebellion, in my opinion, in our world to leave it. And same with the body. We have different cavities like the sinus. It loves to get filled up, right? So having that space there and not having congestion and not having anything filling there is that ether element in the body. Mm, I love it. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little more. So, you know, you, you mentioned that we all have this balance and like one element may be more prominent than the others. Um, how important is it to be like balanced or is it totally normal to have more of one element than another? Yeah. Fantastic question. I get this all the time because people are like, am I supposed to have like one fifth of each element or one third of each dosha, you know, pitta, kapha, vata? And no, not at all. We need unique people in the world. We need people who have lots of air element. Those are your creatives. We need those people who have lots of earth element. Those are your grounding people. What we do want to look at, though, is when we have an excess, and then we can have an imbalance. So there's something called your prakriti. This is your conceptional doshic makeup. You're born with this perfect constitution. You might be, you know, pitta kapha, fire and earth. Somebody else might be vata kapha, air and earth. They're perfect as they are. But then life starts to happen, right? There can be different traumas, injuries, um, different seasonal things, geographical things, world things that happen. So we have these different loads placed upon the body, the mind, the spirit, and then we can have some imbalances. So even if you're this perfect pitta kapha born that way, but then you maybe went to school and you had a really strict teacher and the kind of were really hard on you and that just made you extra anal retentive and extra type A, maybe your pitta energy now is out of balance. It's too much. And then we can start to see pitta imbalances, which is anytime there's too much heat in the body, it could be actual heat, like anything with itis at the end of it, any inflammation. Mm. It could be more mental heat, mental aggravation, stress, depression. Um, it could be more of a spiritual sort of imbalance. You know, you're just really striving so hard and overlooking some other of the, you know, more spiritual uh, chakras, for instance. So there's nothing wrong with how we are born. One of my favorite things about Ayurveda and yogic philosophy is there's no original sin. And growing up as a guilt-ridden Catholic, I was like, <laughs> This is so exciting. There's no original sin. We are whole and complete as we are. Um, but then life places different loads upon us that can throw us out of balance a little bit. So the goal is never to have one fifth of each element. The goal is to get you back to that place where you can truly uniquely be you without burnout, without physical ailments, without fatigue. 
And what about, so you kind of talked more to like, if one is too prominent, um, but what if you don't have much of one? What if one is very, um, you know, reserved? Yeah. And that's okay, right? Like we don't need everyone to be a therapist. (laughs) We don't need everyone to be a CEO. Um, I love that people are so unique and it's actually really valued and, um, you know, very exciting in the Ayurveda world that we can all be so different. Um, But you being different shouldn't mean that you have to carry some kind of harder stress or ailment or disease at the expense of that. So what you often see is, especially with Pitta people, um, there's a phrase that says they have bodies to carry around their heads. <laughs> so they're they're just doing everything in life from this mental place. And then anything below the neck is just, you know, not on the docket for concern. Um, and so with Pitta people, we really want to figure out how can we make that mind-body connection and make sure that you're not burning out. Mm-hmm. But let's just say, like to your example, you know, I'm Pitta Vata. I don't have a ton of that kapha energy, which is the earth and water. And so it's not that I need to make sure that I'm one third of each, but for the rest of my life, I just have to be a little bit more aware that I'm going to be more susceptible to anxiety and burnout than somebody who has a lot more of that earth energy. But then somebody with more of that earth energy, and maybe not the pitta and vata that I have, the rest of their life, they're just going to have to be a little bit more aware that it takes them a little bit longer to get going. And they might be a little bit more stagnant or have more congestion because of all that earth and water element in the body. And they might be a little bit more stuck in their ways where someone who's pitta, vata, they're kind of like a ping pong ball. (laughs) They can change quickly and they're very adaptable, um, but sometimes that can be too much. So it's all about figuring Mm -hmm. out what what are my tendencies? What is my original makeup? And how do I best foster and take care of that um, without burning out by the time I'm 35, you know? So you said one of the easiest things we can do is eat for the seasons. And when this podcast airs, we're going to be coming right up on Thanksgiving and coming into winter. Um, So what are some suggested foods or drinks for that time of year? Totally. Yep. So the nice thing about living in Minnesota is that we have three seasons. (laughs) (laughs) You really can change things pretty drastically for each season versus in India, they have like six to eight seasons and it can get a little bit more confusing how to eat for each one. But here, our seasons are so drastic that we go from summer, right? This like hot, humid, oily time of year. This is considered pitta time. The sun is out. It dries us out. We're just hot. So we want to eat cooling things then. Then we go into fall, which is quick, right? It's like overnight. Yeah. Like, oh, now it's super dry and cold and windy. And this is considered to be the vata time of life or time of year. And this is when we want to bring in the opposites. So one of the laws in Ayurveda is opposites bring balance, like increases like. We don't demonize any foods or drinks. We just look at everything as what qualities and properties do they have? If something's cold, it's going to increase cold element in my body. If something's dry, it'll increase dry in my body. So we don't say things are good or bad, right or wrong. 
So when we go into Vata time of the year, we want to counter that with things that are earthy, grounding, watery, soupy, oily. This is the time for soups and stews. So from a Western perspective, we actually do okay from, you know, what we do in the fall. It's very Minnesotan. Yeah, the apples, <laughs> pumpkin pies, you yep. know, the soups, the, the beef stews. Like if you're going to do it, like this is the time of year we do get that right. So <laughs> one thing we get right. Um, spring and summer is another another kind of not so great time for us when we don't go Ayurvedically as much. But yeah, so leaning into fall, lean into the comfort foods. It is so grounding. It's so good for the body, the mind, the heart, the spirit. And this is the time to go easy on and eliminate raw food. So I have some clients who they have their salads like all year round. And I I worked for a naturopathic doctor for years and I understand like from a micronutrients perspective, like why this is recommended. But from an Ayurvedic perspective, we look at qualities of foods, not the foods necessarily themselves. It's like how they're prepared. So if you think about like a raw piece of broccoli, this is cold, it's hard, it's crunchy, it's hard to digest. And so that's kind of the similar qualities of fall, cold, hard dry, right? So the broccoli itself is not the problem. It is its properties. So what we do in the fall is we cook everything. It doesn't have to be cooked, you know, too long. I had a client yesterday who was like, I can't stand mushy food. I'm like, it doesn't have to be mushy, right? Just cook it with a little bit of ghee, clarified butter. Mm. So good. It's considered a medicine in Ayurveda and then digestive spices that help break it down and help warm it up too. So cardamom, cumin, coriander, fennel, fenugreek, turmeric, black pepper. These are all big time favorites in the Ayurvedic world. And then you didn't ask about spring, but let's just go into spring for a moment. Yeah. So then we come into spring and people might've really gotten used to that winter diet and they were doing pretty well with it, like eating cooked food and heavier foods and these stews. But the problem is if we don't switch it up for spring, then we're eating these heavy, dense, oily, stewy kind of situations. And that will create those same qualities in the body. And then we have congestion. We have allergies. We have this kind of like slog sort of feeling of just kind of too much moisture in the body. So spring is really a great time for freshening up the diet and having more of the bitter greens. And you can see it, you know, things are growing outside, mm-hmm. these sprouts coming up, um, alfalfa, dandelion, um, any kind of bean sprouts. This is the time for your salads. This is the time for those really light soups and lighter fare. And then we have those same qualities happen in the body. You know, there's this feeling of optimism and you see people spring cleaning um, versus if we just stick to our, you know, super heavy foods throughout the winter, that's not what's happening seasonally outside. So we're kind of, again, resisting what's happening outside if we stick with that winter diet. Mm, Love that. And And it really does make so much sense. And it's interesting how that is sort of just our natural, so, well, particularly here in the Midwest, right, where we have those seasons where, you know, someone living in Florida or Arizona, they don't quite have those drastic changes. Um, so how might someone there adjust for those seasons with their food? 
Sure. Yep. And when you don't have such a drastic seasonal change too, then sometimes your diet can stay relatively the same. You know, if you're in an Arizona situation, for instance, it's so dry all year round. I would recommend to that person, like you should use ghee all year round. Like I just went on a two week road trip down South and or Southwest and my hair and my skin, I could not get enough oil. Yeah. do this all the time. Where here we don't recommend that people have abianga, you know, super thick, heavy oils on their bodies all year round. You just don't need it. And it's so humid outside. So yeah, when you live in a place that has kind of a consistent season to it, you can eat more consistently without really having to overturn the apple cart. Um, it's gotten tricky in our world though, because you go to the grocery store and you don't know what's seasonal anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Fruits that you want all year round, right? There's always apples there at the grocery store. But if you look a little bit closer at the food, um, you can tell like what is truly fresh and seasonal. Yeah. I mean, right now, like the cherries look different, right? This is cherry mm-hmm. or whatever's on sale. That's another good sign to see like what's in bulk right now. What do they have to really offload? That must be growing a ton right now. So just getting a little bit more connected with our food sources. And if you can swing it, or if there's CSAs in your neighborhood or locale, like that's like the easiest way to be Ayurvedic because people are just growing the food down the street. And then you don't yep. have, to think about it. <laughs> have to think about, is this part of my doshic constitution? Is this seasonal? It is right. Or farmer's markets. Great. Perfect. Now you're Ayurvedic. <laughs> Well, Megan, thank you so much. This has been really informative and helpful. Um, I, you know, just like I said, I have a real basic understanding of Ayurveda and I find it really fascinating. Um, And I see how it is so complementary to yoga, right? Um, And just bringing our entire body into the picture. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It's been so fun talking with you. Um, so anyone listening who would like to learn more about you, um, your, your website is meganfoleyyoga.com and we do have the clickable link in the show notes as always. So wherever you're listening, you can find that link, but Megan, tell us a little bit about what they can find on your website and how to work with you. Absolutely. Yes. I work at Bluma Yoga and Up Yoga in the Twin Cities. And I have weekly classes there that are yin yoga and also power and flow vinyasa. I also meet with people privately for Ayurveda and yoga therapy consultations. So in those sessions, we can talk about your individual makeup and what makes most sense for you from a yogic perspective and from an Ayurvedic perspective. And then I also lead yin yoga teacher trainings and, um, retreats throughout the year, as well as different workshops. And especially if you're really interested in Ayurveda, I offer a couple of workshops per year and we talk about all the spices and I sell ghee and different oils. And there's just so many ways to get involved with this fascinating, amazing, amazing modality. Mm, Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Megan, for being here. Um, It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And please consider leaving a five-star review wherever it is you're listening to help others on their wellness journey discover this podcast. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I also encourage you to visit my Patreon. Um, You can support the podcast with the $5 membership. It's patreon.com. 
amyzalmer.com slash amyzalmer. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day, everyone. And I'll see you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.